Blog Talk Radio.
Good morning, everyone. I'm your host, Reverend Shaw McKinnon. I'd like to welcome you to the morning, uh, Sunday morning, Sacred Sundays. And I'm very happy to be here, and I want to welcome everybody who is first-time listening and also my friends who are following me. And I appreciate you so much for listening to our show, which is also available in archives. And we love to get together Sunday mornings to celebrate uh, just being together and having an hour or two for uh, praying, meditation, and reading out of uh, selecting writings that I choose. And uh, we also are reading Chapter 10 in the Bible, Acts 10. We've made it all the way back to Acts 10. And um, um, so get your Bible ready. I read out of the Ryrie Study Bible. It's a fi- Bible that somebody had thrown away by the trash, and then I picked it up and I started reading it, and I've been reading it ever since. And that book means so much to me. And um, I'd also, there's another resource, if you don't have a Bible handy, you can go online to www.biblia.com, and uh, there's a, you can follow us on there and just put in, or you can Google Acts chapter 10 and follow along that way. So there's many ways to get the information uh, this morning. Anyway, it's a beautiful, bright, sunny day, and I want to thank God that, you know, we're all here in one piece, and um, I just uh, want to thank you for being here. Um, Let's say the opening prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen, amen. And I just want to just uh, thank God that Dr. John Elias, good friend, uh, a loving man, and just very beautiful person. I want to thank you, God, for uh, healing him. And he's home from the hospital. He was in a coma and very serious, and now he's he's off life supports. He's healing and he's home safe and comfortable. Thank you, God, for this healing. And I have a friend, Edwin Becker, that. Uh, turned up with a, a huge blood clot issue, uh, and he is now on uh, medication for that. And I want to just all of us, so we could pray for my friend Edwin Becker. He's a uh, author and a beloved friend, and if you could please pray for him and his family, and his wife Marcia and all of them. They're really stressed right now, and pray for uh, Edwin Becker because the blood clot issue is a very life-threatening. And I want to say, you know, rest in peace, friend Margaret. Um, she was the uh, chaplain for the local Gardena VFW uh, for many, many, many years, and she's now been laid to rest, and we're going to have her ceremony next week, but I want to honor her today, and she did a good job. I want to thank you, Margaret, for everything you did for us, and God bless you, Margaret. Rest in peace. And then another friend, but I can't see the names of the following, but there's a lot of issues that happened over the week. A friend's brother... Uh, died, and someone his father had died, and rest in peace, may the, those two people have peace, and um, God rest your soul, and also a friend of a friend, uh, she was just going to meet this friend, and he also passed away, and um, we just uh, know that they're now in your loving arms, God, and we just want to send our good uh, wishes and prayers and helpful thoughts out to all these people that are stressed out. And then I want to also uh, just uh, wish everybody a very happy birthday today, and uh, God bless you, and I hope your special day is just awesome. 
And uh, today we don't have any chat. I'm, uh, I don't have a power cord. My power cord broke on my laptop, so uh, there's no chat. So uh, I, want, I know that you guys are there and listening, so I love you, but, there, but there's no chat. Anyway, so we did our opening prayer. Now we're, now we're on to Acts. Now last time it's been very interesting because Peter was involved in Chapter 9. Peter was involved in uh, preparation to start converting Gentiles, and the things were led the way, remember, to, uh, for Peter, he was traveling through, and he went through to Ananias and stayed with the tanner, and that's where he is, and uh, that's where we're going to begin reading. And uh, everybody turn to chapter 10. Let's see here. Let's give you a minute to go. Okay, chapter 10. Now, there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixed his gaze, and he fixed his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Batch some men to Joppa and send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. And he is staying with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of his servants, and devout soldiers of those servants were his personal attendants. And after he had explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. On the next day, as they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. He became hungry and was desiring to eat, but while they were making preparations, he fell into a trance. And he saw the sky opened up, an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. There were in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. A voice came to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said to him, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy or unclean. Again a voice came to him a second time, What God has cleansed no longer considered unholy. This happened three times, and immediately the object was taken up into the sky. Now while Peter was greatly perplexed in mind as to what the vision which he had seen might be, behold, the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having, having asked directions for Simon's house, appeared at the gate. And calling out, they were asking whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. While Peter was reflecting on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. But get up and go downstairs and accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. Peter went down to the men and said, Behold, I am the one you are looking for, for what is the reason for which he has come here? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you, to come to his house and hear a message from you. So he invited them in and gave them lodging. And on the next day he got up and went away with them, and some of the brethren from the Joppa had accompanied him. And this next part is about the preaching of Peter. 
On the following day, he enters Assyria. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter raised him up, saying, Stand up, I am too just a man. And as he talked with him, he entered and found many people assembled. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. That is why I came without even raising any objection when I was sent for. So I asked for what reason you have sent me. Cornelius said, Four days ago to this house, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in shining garments. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Therefore send to Joppa and invite Simon, who is also called Peter, to come to the house. He is staying in the house of Simon, and Tanner by the, Tanner by the, excuse me, can I read that again? I messed that one up. Therefore, send to Joppa, we're on 32. Therefore, send to Joppa and invite Simon, who is also called Peter, to come to you. He is staying at the house of Simon, the tanner by the sea. So I sent to you immediately, and sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Christ Jesus Christ, he is the Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing that which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth. Now God anointed him, with the Holy Spirit, and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all the things he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They, were also, they also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible, not to all people, but to the witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is, to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who had been appointed, appointed by God as the judge of the living and the dead. Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of his sins. While Peter was still speaking his words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came in with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse water for these to be baptized, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay on for a few days. Oh. I almost cried over that one. It's just this is this is when let's go back on the notes. This is this is actually we're reading how the Gentiles were now welcomed into the breast of the Holy Father. It's just amazing to me. 
Okay, so this is go back to the notes. It says Caesarea. And a centurion was a non-commissioned officer in command of a hundred men. Cornelius was a commander in Italian cohort. Cornelius was a semi-prosthetite to the Judaism, accepting Jewish beliefs and practices, but stopping short of circumcision. And then we're going to 14, unholy and unclean. The Mosaic law prohibited the eating of certain unclean animals. God was teaching Peter a lesson about people also. The, some of the brethren, there were six of them. Okay, so now we're on 1024. Cornelius showed great faith by having his audience already present. So they're already present and waiting. And then 1028, the case of Cornelius was the first of its kind and crucial to the spread of Christianity. That's why as we were reading it, I just, I knew that this, this was the turning point here. Uh, it was just thrilling and I got the chills and I felt like crying. The case of Cornelius was the first of its kind and crucial to the spread of Christianity. It answered the question, can the new faith, still so closely associated with Judaism, admit into fellowship an uncircumcised Gentile? The issue, however, would not be completely resolved for some time. You know, they still argued over it, but, you know, that's people. And then we're up to say that God is not one to show partiality. This fact was taught even in the Old Testament. Okay, so 1044, the Holy Spirit fell upon all. In the case of the Gentile converts, the gift of the Spirit became before they were even baptized. The authentication of the gift was speak, the speaking in tongues. Entirely apart from laying on the hands, all this demonstrated, especially to the Jewish brethren who accompanied Peter, that God had received the Gentiles into the church on an equal basis with Jewish believers because they had believed in Christ. So that's is how we were welcoming the fold, the non-Jewish people and the rest, and then the Christianity spread. So next week we're going to be studying uh, Acts 11. And uh, I'm very moved by that whole chapter. It's incredible what we're learning just by reading the Word. It's just read it, absorb it, keep reading it, and learn. And uh, just take it straight from the Bible. Um, I just got a lot out of that. I have a couple of things. So I have uh, something in um, that I wrote, and uh, because I want to ask God, you know, for all of us to forgive us our sins, and we're all human. We all fall short, and we just want to stay on the straight and narrow path, and we want to do good things. Uh, I have been uh, in fear and angry, and I had a very difficult week. And um, I just wanted to read how, you know, just going back to the basics for all of us. So if you just find yourself getting darts and arrows thrown in from every area, uh, and you yourself are angry and nervous and stressed, remember to take it back to the basics. Surrender and know that God is helping you and Jesus is your Savior. And just start all over again. Just start a new day. Reboot. And anyway, so I'm going to be reading a, a couple things that are... Uh, you know, not so nice, but on the other hand, it's part of uh, life and part of us how we are going to get better by acknowledging who we are and try to get better and, you know, pray against the evil of the world. So this is this is a paper I wrote as part of my book, Worth and Worship. It's called Unlove. In a letter to a mother and daughter, Franco, in a 15th century Cartesian, discourages a woman from allowing her daughter to become a prostitute. 
It is the most wretched thing, contrary to human reason, to subject one body, one's body and industriousness to a servitude whose very thought is most frightful. To become the prey of so many, and at the risk of being despoiled, robbed, killed, exposed to many other dangers of receiving injuries and dreadful diseases, to eat with another's mouth, sleep with another's eyes, move according to another's will, obviously rushing towards shipwreck of one's mental abilities and one's life and one body. What greater misery? So many of this have, living this misery right now in every corner of the world, and mother sells her young son into sexual slavery, then takes part of the money and makes a sacrifice to a false god. Men, women, boys, girls stand in the corners of the world offering up life and body to men who don't think past the moment. Money is exchanged, serving the god of drugs, vice, and turpitude. Pornography, we join in taking part, reveling in their sin. We become part of them. If we participate, we form an accord and agree with their sin, and this misery multiplies. In most cases, abuse is the norm. It is the realm of the unloved. The players have made have long since died, but the celluloid plays on, witnesses partaking of their death now. Paid on license on license, someone is sold body and soul into slavery, unloving, cruelty, shame, all in the realm of the evil one. Partaking makes us a slave to the evil master. Nothing will ever make it okay. Now turn from the evil one, repent, and be saved. Turn from a sordid world, void of love, back into the waiting arms of our Savior. And the Bible readings I have with this is, Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not proceed in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not pass by it. Turn away from it and pass on. That's Proverbs 4, 14-15. His own iniquities will capture the wicked, and he will be held by the cords of his sin. He will die for the lack of instruction. In the greatness of his folly, he will go astray. That's Proverbs 22:23. But I have again this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess, who teaches and leads my bondservants astray so that they may commit acts of immorality and eat king's sacrifice to idols. I may give time to repent her immorality. Behold, I will cast her upon the bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent their deeds. That was Revelation. Someday we'll be reading that. And then at the end, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, says John 14:15. So if we love God, if we love Jesus, and we say we do, we will keep his commandments and turn away from the evil things of the world. And just wear this like I was taught, you know, taught and read, wear this world like a light garment. You know, don't be of this world. We're in it. We have to live in it. But don't be part of it. So pull, pull away from the evil one and do good things instead of bad. Okay, so now I'm going to read one more story out of guidebooks, my my little beloved book. And it says, What Was Out There? This is by Doug Oilfield of Hamilton, Ohio. I finished the night audit and glanced around the clock. It's 2.30 a.m. The midnight shift of a motel desk clerk can be pretty lonesome work. You do anything to entertain yourself and stay alert. Patrons rarely check in at such an hour, but sleeping on the job is intolerated. So I flipped the TV set, leaned back in my chair, and started to read my new thriller in the wavering blue light. The blurb on the cover promised deadly suspense. 
Not even halfway through the first chapter, the clicking of the metal on the stone echoed in the choir, counter behind me. Who in the world? As I wondered as I swung my chair around. I faced a sawed-off shotgun. My eyes moved up to the man who held it, and he was large, dirty. Brown, greasy hair fell to his shoulders. His lips curled in a sneer amid a patchy beard. His skin was dark and weathered. An olive-green army jacket buttoned to the neck hid the rest of his clothing. The man stared back as if he couldn't stand the sight of me. He waved the barrel of a shotgun toward the door that separated us. Open it, he said. Slowly I stood up, afraid my legs wouldn't support me. I couldn't will them to move. My head swam with thoughts of escape. Without us taking a step, I reached for the door. Before opening it, I whispered a prayer, God, please send me an angel to protect me. My hand gripped the doorknob, and I barely turned it before the man pushed his way through. He grunted and breathed hard. He could easily have broken that down that flimsy door. He was just toying with me. He shoved me against the wall and kicked the door shut behind him. We were alone in the small back room. Open the deposit box. I don't have the key, I said truthfully. I was trembling. My head seemed to explode as he slammed the barrel of the shotgun across my jaw. Still on the wall, shaking my head instinctively, trying to see. Where is he? The man thrust his face into an inch of mine. I could smell his stale breath. Flecks of spit dawdled the corners of his mouth. Sweat formed on his brow. I said, he drew out each word, open the deposit box. Did he think I was lying? I don't have a key, I repeated. Let him believe me and leave me alone. Again, he hit me with a gun. This time, the stock crashed into my mouth, splitting my lip and loosening my front teeth. He actually th- did I actually think this man was just going to walk away and leave? He swung the shotgun around and placed the barrel between my eyes. I'm going to die. I'm a dead man. This is how my life ends. My mind rolled the idea around. Dead. I began to accept it, and my muscles relaxed, and I went limp. Open the box. I'm going to kill you. The words are a matter of fact. How many times have I heard the same overused expression in everyday life? I'll kill you if you... But now it was for real. I waited for the blast. Who's going to tell my wife and children? I didn't want the police knocking on the door in the middle of the night, scaring them, upsetting them. I didn't want my wife blaming herself for not having talked me out of this job. I didn't want to die. Anger began to grow in me, and I spoke forcefully. Check my pockets. Go ahead. I don't have the key. The man pulled the gun away and punched me in the eye. My head bounced off the wall, and I fought for consciousness, sprawled on the floor. I knew that if I passed out, I would not wake up. My head ached and my hands shook. I had only one hope, and I called on him again. God, I said aloud, protect me from my enemy now. I groped in my mind for a Bible verse, but I couldn't find one. Just then, the doors rattled. The gunman took his steely eyes off me. I couldn't see a lobby from my vantage point behind the registration desk, but I listened to the doors open. Was it a late-night patron? This can only make the situation worse. I looked back at the man, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. The hulking intruder stood staring into the lobby, his eyes wide with terror, his weather-beaten skin paled, and his back hunched in fear. No, he said, and he let the word trail off in a long sigh. The shotgun dropped empty to his side, and he backed against the wall. What was out there? I strained my neck, but I couldn't see anything. I figured the police had arrived in force, guns drawn. The man continued to stare into the lobby as he slowly backed away, turned to me pleadingly. He tried to say something. The meaningness, the meanness had left his face. 
He shook his head helplessly, too terrified to speak. Then he fumbled for his gun and ran down the hallway and out the back door. I stood cautiously, not wanting to alarm the police officers. My name is Doug Oldfield, I shouted. I'm the night manager. The gunman ran out the back. I inched into the lobby, anxious to be surrounded by my rescuers. The lobby was empty. I checked outside. No police car, no movement of any kind. What the? I went back inside and called the police. They arrived within minutes, but there was no trace of the armed robber. Later, an officer showed me a picture and asked if this was the gunman. That's him all right, I said. You're a lucky guy, the officer replied. He's a suspect in several other motel robberies. In every other case, he's killed the death clerk and we have no witnesses. We'll get him this time. The man was going to kill me. But Psalm 91 says, He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. Thou shalt not be afraid by the terror of the night. To this day, I don't know what my attackers saw in the lobby that made him run away, but I have always believed it was an angel with a flaming sword or an army of angels ready to protect me. After a moment of silence for those who still suffer, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. So I'll see you next week, every Sunday, 11 a.m. Our next chapter will be in Acts chapter 11. I want to thank you for listening. Love you very much. Bye-bye.